All right, so in this series so far, we've learned a lot about Jesus. We've learned about his death in gripping detail, right? We've learned about his resurrection. We've learned about the difference between the old and the new covenants. But what happens after, after that? What happens next? That's why we're doing this whole series is, well, I know what happens during the Easter time. I know about the like Palm Sunday and all that stuff, but what happens after that? And, and so that's what we're going to look at tonight is what happens next. And I think that we all know like the basic like churchy answer, which is, well, Jesus went to heaven. Um, that's what happens next. But, but what actually happened, right? I'm like a why kind of person when somebody's like, this is it. And I'm like, well, why? My kids do that to me all the time. It drives me crazy. But I do it to everybody else, so I'm not surprised. But what actually happened? And why didn't Jesus go straight to heaven once he rose from the grave? Well, for starters, he needed to see his squad. He needed to go have some bro time. He needed to hang out with the disciples for a while. And he did this for what I believe are three reasons that we're going to look at tonight. And those reasons are to confirm his resurrection to them, to cast out any doubt that he was the Messiah, and then to instruct the, instruct the building of his church. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take like the period from when Jesus rose from the grave to when Jesus went to heaven, which is a, a good chunk of time. And there's a lot of stuff that happened in there. And there's four gospels and all four gospels have accounts of what happened in there. And they're all slightly different. So what I did is I took all of them and I mushed them into one mega story. Okay. So I'm going to kind of breeze through it because we got a lot to cover and it's just a lot of information. So you with me? All right, so we're going to start with a story called The Road to Emmaus. And so we're going to start, there's these two dudes, and they were followers of Jesus. And they were in Jerusalem during the crucifixion. And they saw all of it, and it blew their mind. And they were like, that's a bummer. I'm going home. That was not the weekend I signed up for. So they're on the road to Emmaus, and they're going home. And suddenly, a man appears next to them. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. But they don't know that. They don't recognize him as Jesus. So they're walking along, and Jesus comes up beside them, and he's like hidden himself from them. And he plays dumb. He's like, hey guys, how's it going? They're like, good man, what's going on? And he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, you must be the only man in all of this country who doesn't know what happened yesterday. It was wild. He's like, I don't know what happened yesterday. Obviously I'm paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote. Okay. Jesus is like, obviously I don't know what happened yesterday. Tell me about it. And so they go on. They're like, okay, well, we were followers of this guy named Jesus and he was a prophet and a king. And we really thought he was going to like lead the kingdom away from the Romans. But then the religious leaders got mad at him because they, he started, they follow all the people followed him more than they followed them. And so they had him killed and then he died. And then he was like, don't worry though. I'll be back three days later. Well, the third day was yesterday and we haven't seen him. And so we're kind of bummed out. We're going home. And then Jesus is like, really? Really, you haven't seen him? You haven't, you haven't seen Jesus today? And they're like, no, we haven't. I'm questioning if he's the Messiah. And Jesus is like, really? You're questioning if he's the Messiah? And they're like, yeah, why are you being so weird about this? And so they travel along and they get to their hotel for the night. And Jesus is going to keep going. They still don't know it's him. And they're like, no, 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 come in, have dinner, stay with us. You don't want to travel at dark. There's attackers. It'll be fine. So he stays and they start to have dinner. Well, Jesus does a little bit of what I like to call Jehovah Sneaky. And Jehovah Sneaky... It's like, okay, let's have dinner. And so they pray over the meal and he takes the bread. And at the last supper, Jesus did a pretty famous thing with bread, right? He broke it and prayed over it and blessed him and did the whole communion thing. So Jesus prays over the bread, he breaks it. And then poof, they see that it's Jesus. It's like, he just like appeared to them for reals this time. And they're like, oh, Jesus, you're with us the whole time. And he goes, yeah. And then straight up disappears. Like just gone in a puff of smoke, gone. 
Jehovah Sneaky, right? And so those two guys, they go and find the other 11 disciples, like the OG ones, the ones you hear about all the time, Peter, John, James, those ones. He goes and finds them, and then they just explain what happened. They're like, here's the craziest thing. We were on the road. We were going home. We were bummed. Guy stranger comes up to us. He says, how's it going? What's happening? We're like, are you dumb? Did you miss it? And he's like, I must have. And then they explain, well, Jesus died. He was the king. And then we had dinner. And then he goes, I'm Jesus. And they're like, what? Are you serious, Jesus? And then, guys, Jehovah Sneaky part two. So all of the disciples, they're like circled up in this upper room. And I like to picture Jesus just back here in the corner. And he just like, like appears. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know what that sound was, like appearance sound. And so Jesus shows up and they're all freaking out. And they're like, no, no way, no way. And then Jesus appears and he goes, peace be with you. And like, Jesus is funny because he died. <laughs> they all saw him die. And he comes back. He's just like, what's up? Peace be with you. I hope you're not freaking out. They did freak out. In fact, they lost their minds. They're like, we're seeing a ghost. There's no way. And Jesus is like, nah, fam, I'm not a ghost. Touch my skin. Touch my bones. See that it's true. And they did. And they did, in fact, confirm that he was not a ghost. And then they're like, Jesus, we missed you. It's so good to see you. He's like, I miss you too. I'm really hungry. Can I have some lunch? And so I'm not kidding. This is all in the Bible. Well, obviously paraphrase, but Jesus is like, I'm very hungry. Can I please have something to eat? And they give him a broiled fish. Sounds delicious, right? They hang out. It's a great time. Now, Jesus appears to the disciples in Galilee. Now, this is the same group of dudes, different location. I am unaware of the timeline on this one. Couldn't figure it out. So, Peter says, after all this, he goes, I'm going fishing. I'm frustrated and I'm going fishing. And the disciples are like, well, of course you are. And we're going with you. And so they go, all of them go fishing. They fish all night and they catch how many fish? Zero fish. No fish. Now, the amount of times in the scriptures, the disciples who were professional fishermen are noted to have caught zero fish is a lot. Like a good amount, to the point where I'm like, you probably should have been carpenters. Like, I don't know, like you, you missed it. And so they spend all night fishing and they catch nothing. And it's not like how we go fishing where it's like, you got your little rod and you're casting it out and you reel it in and your dad's on the boat, listening to country music asleep. And there's like a sandwich that's falling apart on his chest and somebody's sunburnt and your sister's like, can we go home? And you're just like, that's, that's how I fish anyway. And so this is a different kind of fishing. These guys are like out in the sea, like deadliest catch. They're on like a big boat and there's giant waves and they have nets covered in rocks to weigh them down. And they throw out the nets and then they pull in the nets and then they throw out the nets and they pull in the nets, so on and so forth. And they're exhausted and they catch no fish. So they decide to call it a day when the sun comes up and they head in towards shore. Morning comes and they see Jesus standing on the shore, except do they know it's Jesus? They do not. Jehovah Sneaky Part 3 coming to a theater near you. Jesus says, what's up, boys? Did you catch anything? Obviously, they had not. And Jesus says, that's okay. Cast your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll catch some. Now, for those of you playing along at home who read your Bibles, you'll know this is how the original four disciples met Jesus, as they were on the beach, and he said, throw your net on that side, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. And they did, and they couldn't haul in the net. Fast forward, same exact thing. So you would think these disciples would be like, hey, I know that guy. They didn't. So he's like, throw your, your net on this side of the boat. And they go, okay, we will. And they throw it in. And there's so many fish in that net, they can't pull it on the boat. And then Peter goes, it's Jesus. And in a completely unhinged 
moment, he puts on his coat and then jumps into the sea and swims to shore. Now, if you had been fishing all night and you were like hot and sweaty from hard work, would you put your coat on to jump into cool, refreshing water? What are we doing here, Peter? That makes no sense. But anyways, Peter jumps in and swims ashore. And then the other disciples, I imagine, were like, sure, Peter, we'll carry the super heavy fish net and we'll row the boat in. Have a nice swim. And so they all get to shore. And Jesus is like, what's up, guys? It's so good to see you. And then he makes them a nice oceanside fire roasted breakfast and they enjoy the beach and good company. Now, after breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter goes, yes, of course I love you. And they go back and forth, back and forth. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. And Jesus keeps saying this weird thing. He says, if you love me, then feed my lambs. I don't know. I didn't know Jesus had lambs, right? It's kind of weird and obviously a metaphor. And Jesus is talking about people, people, people. <laughs> and he says, feed my lambs. And then he asks him for a third and final time. And Peter gets offended. He's like, Jesus, you know all things. You are all powerful and all knowing. You know that I love you. And, and so if Jesus knew that, why does he keep asking Peter if he loves him? Well, if you remember back to when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three. And then in this moment, Jesus asked Peter, how many times, or how, how many times did he ask Peter, do you love me? Three. Right? That's no accident. That's like God does stuff on purpose, right? Little Jehovah sneaky moment, part four. He, he says, do you love me? And he asked him three times because he wanted to give Peter the opportunity to undo his denial, which is healing and poetic and just awesome. Jesus rules. And then from there, Jesus and the 11 disciples head to the mountain, right? They go to a specific mountain, not just any mountain. Jesus wasn't like, hey, go to a mountain and I'll meet you there. Jesus goes, that mountain, that one, that one. And they go, that one? He goes, that one. And so they walk to that one. And so they're all on this mountain. They get there and they see Jesus and they start to worship him. But as they do, some of the disciples got their doubting on, right? They were like, I don't know if this is real or not. And so Jesus, just to quiet the crowd, quiet any doubt, says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mic drop, son, right? Like if Jesus had just gone up to heaven in that moment, that would have been the perfect ending line. And you thought your yearbook quote was good. Like that would have been just like such a good little bow on top of the ministry, right? But that's not where he stops. He goes on to say, also tell them that they will drive out demons. Cool. Uh, tell them that they'll speak in new tongues. Sick, always wanted to learn Spanish. Tell them they're going to pick up snakes. What? And then they'll drink deadly things without dying. Okay, that's cool, I guess. And then you'll heal the sick. Awesome, I'm back in. And it's all super rad. Jesus is just like, this is how we're going to build the church from here. This is what we're going to do. This is how the spirit of God is going to move through his peoples. And then Jesus says, but don't go anywhere. Stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you. And so then the disciples stayed in Jerusalem for about 40 to 50 days until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and empowered them to carry out the great commission to the known world. So we see Jesus return to his pals to show them that he really did rise up from the grave because honestly, that would be a crazy situation to be in. I mean, put yourself in his shoes, right? Or in the disciples' shoes, like your best friend, somebody you know and love that has taught you so much is like, hey, I'm gonna die, but don't worry because in three days I'm coming back. You would be like, um, 
that's a little sus, dude. And you'd be right to feel that. But, but that's true. And that's what happened. And Jesus did that because he knew he had to confirm to them that he was legit, right? He had to confirm that he meant what he said, but also he was who he said he was. <clears throat> they needed to know for sure that he was, in fact, the Messiah. And I really do think that they believed that he was, but just to cast out any doubt, he came and he made it clear. I mean, you think about Thomas and his need to see Jesus and touch his scars to believe in him. Jesus had to be the Messiah for everyone, but he had to be the Messiah for Thomas, too. And all of these encounters that fed the disciples in the early church were creating a movement of God in the land that was insane. And because they all had known him, they, they learned from him day after day, they lived with him, and then, and then they watched him die, and they were invested in their relationship with him. But, but when they saw that he had come back to the grave, or from the grave, they became solidified in their faith. And just like throwing a match onto a dry brush pile soaked in gasoline, the church exploded. And the early church was filled with believers who were taught by the men who sat at Jesus' feet. I mean, the passion they would have had for his message was unrivaled. The zeal they would have felt to share what he had done was unmatched. And the willingness to die for him and his kingdom, it's inspiring. That is why Jesus visited and revealed himself to the, to the disciples before he went to heaven. But that's what happens next. He went to heaven. And the fan, fancy word for this is ascension. And unfortunately, in today's world, the word ascension kind of sounds like the name of like a multi-level marketing company that sells like weird health products like brass beads that cure arthritis. What's, that's like maybe flirting with a cult a little bit. And I don't mean that. Um, Multi-level marketing things are not a cult. Depends. Anyways. Um, but the truth is Jesus ascended into heaven for a very specific and hugely important reason. Luke 24 says this, Then Jesus led them to Bethany, the place, not the person, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time at the temple praising God. Now, Jesus raises his hands to bless them. And while blessing them, he literally just goes up to heaven. And the Bible doesn't say exactly what it looks like. I mean, it says he was taken up, but I like to picture it like very slow and with uninterrupted eye contact with Peter, just like, For like 15 minutes, like too long because J Jesus is funny. And so like Peter's just like, is he looking at me? And so he's just going up, just like, see you later. And then finally goes through the clouds. <laughs> That's just what I pictured to be like. But not only did Jesus go up to heaven, right? Not only did he leave them, but it says he left them with a blessing. And that blessing is a place for them and a place for us, John 14 says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He went to heaven so that we could have a place with him forever. Now, 
I want to paint a picture of what heaven looks like because when we get like the image of heaven in our minds, it's usually like you get it from cartoons or movies and stuff and they just don't do a good job. They make heaven seem really boring. Like it's just a bunch of angels sitting on clouds doing nothing. And that's not what heaven is like at all. Now, luckily the Bible tells us a little bit of what it's going to look like. Revelation 4 says this, and instantly, this is the, uh, the apostle John speaking, and instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. And they were all clothed in white, had gold crowns on their head. From the, thr- from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches burning with flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. And in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. So the author of the book of Revelation is describing the throne room of God, where God himself sits. And it says that he was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian. And I didn't know what that meant. So I had to look it up. I was like, man, God looks like some dude named Jasper. That's odd, but good for Jasper. And then I remembered that it said gemstones. And so that gave me the context I needed. And this is what Jasper looks like, by the way. We got a picture of it there. Yep, that one. That's really pretty cool, right? And then I was like, Carnelian, that sounds like meat you put in your tacos. But again, gemstones. So being the detective I am, I was led to this. Again, really, I mean, gives you a pretty good image of what's going on. And then it talks about him having a glow of emerald around his throne like a rainbow. Now, thankfully, I already knew what an emerald one was, so I found that one immediately. <laughs> emerald, nailed it. There's even a sea made of glass. And, and, and can you just imagine what it would look like if the ocean would just had like a glass top? Like that's what I pictured. Like you're walking around looking down at all the aquatic critters and they probably need air holes, but it's heaven. So we figure it out later. Seagulls under, like we want to put the seagulls under the glass because smudges, right? And, and you don't have to be afraid of sharks. That's what heaven is going to be like. There's also other crazy things in there we've never seen before. Check this out in Revelations 4. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. You could stop there and you'd be like, what is going on? The first of these was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. And each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. What is going on in heaven with the animals? Oh my goodness, right? Now that sounds like the lyrics to a heavy metal song, but it's in the Bible, like it's true. And all of that sounds cool. And we have a little picture of what heaven looks like, but the truth is Jesus went to heaven to be with you. John 14 says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And that's what we prayed tonight about during worship, right? It's people who don't know Jesus. There is room for everyone in heaven. That verse says Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, for every single person. And that is why Jesus went to heaven. And so what I want everybody to do is I want you to just kind of take a moment. I know it's been really a silly sermon, but I want to bring it back in for a moment. And just how do, what does this mean for us as we walk out of here? So I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want you to think about that person you were praying for during worship, that person who doesn't know Jesus. And this is, this is a moment where we're just between us and God. 
And I want you to think about what, what it would mean for them if they didn't learn about Jesus. What, what would that mean? Because the option if they do know Jesus is heaven, and, and the option if they don't, well, we already explored that, right? And, and I want everybody to just understand the weight of this, the seriousness of this, of, of Jesus, who was fully God, decided to leave heaven, come down to earth as, as fully man and fully God, as a baby, grow up as a human being, was a teenager, probably had acne, all of that, lived a human life into his adulthood. And he knew the plan the whole time. He knew that he was gonna have to die a sinner's death. He knew that he was gonna have to climb up on that cross and stand in our place so that one day we would have the opportunity to know him. It wasn't even a guarantee that we would because it's our choice. And, and, I, and I hope every single person in this room has made that choice. But, but I want you to think about that person in your life who hasn't. And I want you to pray for a moment to plant that seed. And that seed could look like just inviting them to, to 4640. That seed could be praying for them in your own heart. Or, or if you're really bold, that seed could be, hey, I want to know if you're going to be in heaven. And then when you have that seed, that moment in your mind, I want you to be bold and I want you to ask God to give it, give you that moment and to give you the strength and the courage to do it when the time comes. Jesus said, there are many rooms in my father's home. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? He goes on to say this, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. When everything is ready, he's coming to get us. And that could be, you've probably heard about the rapture before, but it could also be just our time and place. Guys, life is short and we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And I don't say that to scare anybody, but I say that to just, we can't wait. We can't wait around for when it's comfortable. We can't wait around for when it's going to be easy. And we can't wait around for when we have ourselves fixed to know Jesus because that's not how it works. Jesus says, come as you are. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're broken. And I will give you living water. I will give you the life that I have for you. So Lord God, we just, first of all, we thank you that you did die on that cross for us, Jesus. And we thank you that you came to show yourself to, this, to, the, to the disciples to then show yourselves yourself to us. And that we could see that your resurrection was real. That we could see that you were in fact the Messiah and that we could see how to go forth and share the good news, making disciples of all nations. God, we thank you that you died on the cross for the opportunity for all of that to happen. And Jesus, we just ask that you would embolden us to not wait around, to not wait for it to be comfortable, to not wait for the perfect, perfect, perfect moment, but to step forth and be bold and pray for my friends. 
to pray for my parents, to invite my friend to church, to invite my parents to church, to buy a Bible, to get on the Bible app and start studying scripture that we can't wait around for because the truth is, God, you said I will come back and get you when everything is ready and that clock is ticking. We just thank you in advance for all the people who get to go to their place in heaven too. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media or our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and we hope to see you there. 